Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. There are so many controversial issues hitting the church right now. Things like immigration and refugees, things like racial tension, things like homosexual relationships. And, and these are complicated issues. And, and often what happens is people are oriented toward either being love people or truth and wisdom people, right? And so sort of your gut reaction is one or the other. Some issues don't have a simple answer. We may respond by rebuking those who have a different opinion, throwing scripture at them, and expecting them to simply comply. Or we may err on the side of what we think is love, extending grace and beyond that, affirmation for someone's actions or lifestyle choices. As Pastor Ricky explains in today's message, there may be a need for a mix of both, but the only way we can discern the best response is through prayer and diligently seeking God's wisdom. Let's join Pastor Ricky now for part two of his message, Praying for What We Really Need, from the book of Philippians, chapter one. As we're heading into this new season of the church, I have a long list of things that I think we need to pray for and that I am praying for, right? It's praying for more kids, ministry workers. Lord, help us, give us what we need for that. Lord, sustain us in this area and that area. Lord, help keep us together. And, and all of these many, many prayer requests, but this passage has, has in a way sort of cleared the board for me in my prayer for the church to put, like if I could write in giant letters over the top of the board, love. What our church fundamentally needs is love for God and for one another. That is what we need, and that should be at the forefront of our prayer for one another. And our, the forefront of our prayer in our own homes and families and relationships, right? What does our spouse fundamentally need? What do our kids fundamentally need? What do our closest friends fundamentally need? If they are in Christ, our prayer at the forefront should be, Lord, let their love abound. Let my love abound more and more. We need more love, but Paul doesn't stop there. He adds something really, really important. He prays for more love with more wisdom. See, what we need is love, but love is not all we need. In Matthew 22, when Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? He repeats that. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul. And then he changes the last word and says, and with all of your mind. Now, why is that? No, Jesus isn't just misquoting Deuteronomy. He's emphasizing something. He's emphasizing that love requires your mind. It's not just an emotional feeling. It's, it's thoughtful. That's part of love. And so this is what Paul is echoing when he says, it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more and more, comma, with knowledge and all discernment. So he's praying for a certain kind of love, a knowledgeable and discerning love. In one commentary, um, Merida and Chan break down the difference between these two words, knowledge and discernment, this way. Knowledge asks the question, what is right? And discernment asks the question, what is best? 
And we need both of these to inform our love. So with, with, we need love with knowledge, and we need to ask, what is right? Now, doctors deal with this all the time. We've got some med students in our church. Shout out to the med students. And, and you guys know, when the patients, you know, you're, you're in a meeting with the patient, you discover an issue, and if the patient says, you know, I'd really rather not get a shot, and you're looking at them and you go, well, I think you have got rabies. Um, and, and, the, and the person just says, I know, but I just feel like, that's, feel like that's not what I need right now in my life right now. You know what I mean? Like, and you're like, that is, it. and so you're asking me to love you, and I do love you in a sense, but my love is informed by knowledge and truth. What is actually going to help you? If they're asking, you know, I, got, I think I might have rabies, just give me a cold compress, I'll be fine. Right, that's not loving to act without knowledge in serving that person. Now, similarly, it may seem loving when a friend comes to you and says, listen, I'm, I'm trapped in this marriage and... I don't know if I'm ever going to love her or him again, and I think my only option is to turn away from my marriage. And by the way, there's this coworker that I think I do love, and so what do you, you know, this is what I think I'm going to do. Now, you, you're going to be tempted as a Christian friend to, to, to sympathize. Perhaps their marriage is difficult, right? Perhaps it has been difficult for years, and yet our love needs to be informed by knowledge, right, and truth. What is right? So what is truly loving is informed by truth, and that truth comes from God, not from kind of what we subjectively think. And love, not only with knowledge, but with discernment. So not only asking what is right, but what is best. <laughs> Many of the decisions in life aren't just about what's right and wrong, but about which is the best option out of these possible options. Uh, so the doctor, you may know, okay, there's an issue with this patient, but you know that there's also multiple courses of treatment or multiple courses of diagnosis, and discernment is understanding, okay, do we, do we just open this thing up for some exploratory surgery here, or can we do some scans, you know? And, and most patients would be like, can we do the scans first, and then, like, can that just open me up and be, oh, here we go, like, ah, well, not, forget the scans, we'll just open you up, that's... Okay, maybe that's not the most discerning call. But other times it might be, right? If there's some, it's life and death and you think something may be going on, sometimes you have to. So that's discernment. And in a similar way, um, when somebody we know falls into sin, they're gonna need truth. They're gonna need love, love in uh, truth that's informing our love. But we also need discernment, right? Uh, th th it may be a mix of confronting them or exhorting them or comforting them or challenging them, and it takes discernment to understand, okay, how, how do we do this in the best way? And verse 10 continues this theme, so that you may approve what is excellent. We need knowledge and discernment so that we may approve what is excellent. Now, the English translation here is, is not it's not always the easiest to get the, the, what the idea uh, is here, but approve so that you may approve is approve as in judging this thing to be superior. Not approving like yes or no, but approving it, apprising it might be a better word, apprising it or judging it to be superior. In Luke 14, 9, it's used for trying out oxen, whether they're useful or not, right? So approving the oxen, as being useful or not useful. So you say, okay, these oxen are good. These oxen are oxen, sure. These oxen, though, are the best. These oxen are excellent and superior. 
The word is also used in the New Testament in talking about testing doctrine and leaders, right? You may say, well, this guy's a Christian, but is he a leader? Is he an elder, right? We need to approve what is excellent there. We need to confirm and verify what is best. Friends, I really believe that one of the greatest needs in the church broadly and in our personal lives is having love and wisdom working together. There are so many controversial issues hitting the church right now. Things like immigration and refugees, things like racial tension, things like homosexual relationships. And and these are complicated issues. And, And often what happens is people are oriented toward either being love people or truth and wisdom people, right? And so sort of your gut reaction is one or the other. I think, think about this, right? It, imagine somebody in the church says to you, I, I feel same-sex attracted. I've always felt same-sex attracted from when I could remember, you know, hitting puberty. This is, this, I feel like this is part of who I am. Now, how do you respond to that, right? Do, do you on the one hand, if maybe you're kind of a truth wisdom person, just say, well, here's a Bible verse, knock it off, right? Now look, you could go to places in the scripture that, that the Bible does teach that marriage is the context for sexual activity and that is, as seen by Adam and Eve, like to be exercised between a covenant relationship between a man and a woman and you could, you could lay that out, right? But if that is all you do and you have no love, have you served that person? right? Or similarly, though, you could go, hey, listen, whatever you want to do, whatever you're happening to do in your life, I just, I love you and I affirm you, right? This is sort of the default of our culture, that our culture sort of demands, like if I'm announcing something that I'm saying is part of me, that you have to affirm it or you don't love me, right? And so there's a a push and tendency to go, well, I I do love you and I don't want to be like hateful. So like, sure, I, I just accept everything that you're wanting to do. And guys, the crying need of the church, this is what I really believe. And I think often even whole churches get split up into like love churches where it's just like, sure, but not informed by truth or truth churches that nobody who actually needs help would want to go there and get help because the people lack love. And what, 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 this, what this prayer, I think, just just lays out before us is we need to be and we need to pray to be people who abound in love and have our love informed by knowledge and discernment and wisdom. That I really think is, is culturally speaking one of the crying needs for the church today. It means when somebody comes and has that conversation with you and they're weeping as they describe the names that they were called when somebody discovered this in junior high that you feel for them, right? And it also means that you don't shy away of saying, hey, let's go to the Bible and talk about this together, right? That's, I I really believe this in in a brilliant way. Paul just, through 2,000 years of church history, just arrives in 2018 in American Christianity and says, this is what we need. We need love with knowledge and discernment. 
But, but on a very personal level, right? Imagine that you just, you have a friend that is making a major decision. They're making a major career change. And you wonder, you know, in the back of your mind, is this wise, right? This could be reckless. Or I want to buy, you know, this house. And you're thinking, man, I don't know about that, you know? And, and or I'm going to take my family and we're going to move here and do this. And you're thinking, whoa, I don't, I don't know. Now, it's a great need because do we need to love them? Do we need to be their friend? Sure, right? What they may not need is for you to pull out a, like a Dave Ramsey calculator and be like, you're nuts, look at this. Like, like it's just, right? Are you over like, are you spending more than 8% of your income on a home? Unbelievable, right? You're supposed to be living on a plot of land somewhere. I don't know. I'm, it's been a while since I've read Dave Ramsey. That may be a little bit of a, or like a mischaracterization. I think he's helpful. Don't, don't email me. Um, but if you can have this sort of like hard line, hard nose, here's the knowledge, here's the discernment, boom, here we go, right? And lack love. Or you can just be like, you know what? I just, I just, I just want you to feel affirmed in this moment, you know? And I just, I, whatever you want to do, I'm just 100% for you. People say that. I'm like, really? 100% for them with whatever they want to do. I don't know about that. And so it's a need, right? It's a need that we need to love one another with wisdom and discernment. And, and this, is, this is so beautifully laid out by Paul right here. So here's my question right now. Are you kind of in gut reaction, a love person or a wisdom kind of slash truth person? Often there are kind of two kinds of people in the church. And, and I think it's helpful to just understand where's your sort of like gut reaction go? Because I think what you could do is sort of listen to this passage and listen to this message and say, well, good, I'm justified now. He did say you're supposed to be full of truth and discernment, so I am. Aha, right? Well, really, <laughs> Paul would take you by the hand and uh, take you by the shoulder and say, brother, I love you outstanding in this area. Let's go look over here though, right? <laughs> is your love abounding? Well, that's weird and sissy. No, that's, <laughs> that's like Jesus, buddy. So, Right? Or, or similarly, if you're the love person and you're like, I don't understand all these people excited about theology or, you know, blah, blah, blah. Can't we just love everyone? I think Paul would say, okay, but let's, let's go over here and look at the Bible, right? <laughs> the Bible tells us how to love one another. And I think, I think let's just commit to one another that, that, one, we value and appreciate people whose gut reactions may be a little bit different, right? If you're, a, if you're a truth wisdom person, you need some friends that are like, man, how do we love these people? That's good for you, Right? But if you're just, all we need is love people and you just listen to the Beatles on 24-7, you need some people over here who are reading like Bavink and Burkoff and Calvin or whoever else. We need one another and we need to grow into Christ together because, listen, there's only one person who's ever lived that's been the perfect blend of love and truth, and that's Jesus. And so we're gonna together help one another look a little bit more like Jesus. So where's this going though? Last category, more glory. See, Paul is praying for love with wisdom because he has a goal in mind. And the goal is in verses 10 and 11. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Jesus Christ, the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ to the glory and praise of God. So there's a trajectory here. Paul is like, I, I want you guys to keep the end in view. Now, 
we need to talk about the, what, what does it mean to be pure and blameless for the day of Christ? Well, purity means an inward holiness, a pure heart before God, and blameless means kind of outward holiness so that others would look and not see obvious sin or fault in us. Now, qualification though, this doesn't mean that we are gonna be totally sinless because in Romans 3, which Paul also wrote, he says that no one is righteous, no, not one. Right? So it doesn't mean that we're perfectly righteous in and of ourselves. In, instead, I think Paul is referring here to the process of sanctification, the process of looking more and more like Jesus, of putting away sin more and more and putting on holiness more and more. So that the goal and trajectory is that inwardly we're becoming more and more pure and outwardly, in terms of our witness, we're becoming more and more blameless. And we're moving so that on the day of Christ, we would display this purity and blamelessness. Now, on that day, the Bible says that on that day, we will be transformed fully to be fully pure inside and fully pure outside. But until that day, we're to look more and more like that. See, Paul is calling the church to love with wisdom with one eye on eternity. Look, Paul cares about the church. He wants the church not to be persecuted. He wants the church not to have conflict. But his greatest concern is he wants that church to be able to stand well before Jesus on that last day, which is why Paul is willing to write hard letters like 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians and Galatians, where he is coming in and risking the relationship with the church to say, listen, you have real issues and because I care about you standing before Jesus, I have to tell you this, right? And that, that informs his love for them and his wisdom for them. And friends, we need the same thing. Listen, I, I, I love my boys. I want them to live as pain-free lives as possible. But that cannot be what I ultimately want for them. I want them to stand well before Jesus, Right? That should be what we want for our spouse and for our families and for those around us. We think, okay, we're headed somewhere. So I'm gonna love you well and you need to love well with discernment so that we can stand before Jesus well together. Verse 11 says, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ. So the Bible says that on that last day, our lives will be tested and examined and we will see where we really stand. And it's this picture that we're, we're like sowing into things in our lives. And on that last day is harvest day, right? Like imagine if we, if we took that upper part of the property that our church owns and we each assigned it out to different people and families. And we said, okay, in the spring you plant and water and weed and do whatever, and that's your section. And there could be people out there with like super advanced, like technology looking stuff and they're spraying with like all kinds of fancy stuff and, and using the most advanced garden technology. And then on the last day, they got nothing, right? Or there could be people just out there faithfully day after day, unassuming that reap a harvest in eternity. And this is what Paul is saying. Listen, we, we need to pray for one another that, they would, that we would abound with love and discernment so that on the last day, there would be a harvest of righteousness. The fruit of righteousness would be born. And what's the goal there? So it would be born and bring glory and praise to God. That's the point of all of this, 
right? That the one who brought us into fellowship with himself would be glorified and praised. That the one who died for us in our place would be glorified and praised, right? That the one who humbled himself and became a man and lived a perfect life and died a brutal death and rose again so that he could bury our sin with him and raise us to new life we want him to be glorified and praised. Not so that at the end of the day, our fruit would be born and we would go, hey, look at this. Have you seen this? No. So that we would take that and say, it's all for you, Jesus. It's all for you, Jesus. The true test of our church, friends, is not going to be known until that day. And I feel this, man. I feel this as a pastor, that we can look so good outwardly. We could have people in seats. We could have ministries doing stuff and account nothing on that last day. And that drives us, friends, that drives me to prayer. Oh, Lord, help us. Help us to love with wisdom and discernment and do the right things and invest in the right things so that on the last day, there would be a harvest that would bring you glory and honor. And last, very, very last thing, the kind of the, the coda of this, we have to mention what makes all of this possible. See, fundamentally, this is not just us trying to work up a bunch of things in our own strength. This is only possible through the strength of God. Remember this, Paul, I mean, we're learning and being exhorted as we, we read this, but Paul is not here exhorting the church yet to do something. He is praying that God would do something in them. And he acknowledges this reality where he says, this fruit of righteousness comes through Jesus Christ. Right? This is only possible because, verse 6 tells us, he began a good work in us, he continues to work in us, and he will deliver us safely into eternity. Right? It's all through him. Friend, one day we will stand, we will all stand before God, and there will not be any hiding. Whatever image we've created in life will be seen right through. And there'll be parts of us that we wish we could hide, but they'll be exposed instead. And God himself will judge and determine our eternity based on what is exposed. And on that day, we have one hope. Our hope is not that we will be pure and blameless enough for God to approve us and bring us into his eternal kingdom. Now, our only hope and our only plea is that it is that we enter through Jesus Christ. We were not pure and blameless, but he was pure and blameless. And on the cross, the blameless traded himself for the sinner. On the cross, the, imp the pure traded himself for the impure. And friend, if you don't know Christ, I, I want to encourage you, don't just try to sort of work this up and attend church and get your life back together. The only way to get accepted by God is to acknowledge, I am not pure, I am not blameless, but you are. And I'm going to hold on to you. I encourage you, if you haven't done that, do that today. The only hope we have to make progress in purity and bearing fruit is that Jesus is at work in us, that he began the good work in us, he's continuing this work in us, and that he will bring it to completion. And friends, that is why we pray, because our power is not enough to do this, but his power is more than sufficient to do this. Hope in God, oh my soul, he is strong in
had more time with you today, but sadly, that's all we have to share from Pastor Ricky's message today. However, you don't have to stop learning from the happiest book in the Bible. We'd like to encourage you to read ahead in Philippians and let the joy Jesus has to give you become your go-to emotion. If you'd like to hear today's message again or listen to other Better News Radio series, we'd like to invite you to visit betternewsradio.com. You'll even be able to subscribe to our podcast, watch Pastor Ricky's welcome video, and download a free book. If you're searching for a church in your area, we'd also like to point you to the church tab at betternewsradio.com. There you'll find a resource to help you locate a great community of faith that would be happy to welcome you into their family. If you're in El Paso, we'd love to have you come by Cross of Grace Church. Find directions and service times at the church tab as well, right there online at betternewsradio.com. We know that some of our listeners today may be experiencing some difficulties in life, and we'd like to let you know that you're being prayed for regularly here at Better News Radio. If you ever have a specific request you'd like us to take before the Lord, feel free to give us a call. Our number is 915-562-7100. That's 915-562-7100. Thanks again for being part of our listening audience. Join us next time to keep experiencing the happiest book in the Bible, right here on Better News Radio.